Yes, it's time. It's here. Oh, I'm so excited. All right, so we are we are going to take a quick moment here and hype the Chris or uh, stop the Christmas hype train. So we can travel. Someone hit to- the brakes! Hit the brakes! Lock the, the gates! So uh, we're gonna go ahead and travel to a galaxy far, far away, a long, long time ago. Oh man! Well, well, here's the thing. First of all, Christmas hype starts on Boxing Day. That's a quote that you are well known for now. Yes, mostly because I've made you well known for it. But at the same time, Star Wars will happen before Christmas, so it's totally okay to do this hype train right now. Stop that hype train and switch trains. <laughs> yes. So we're going to change stations here. We're going to hop on the Star Wars hype train for this week's edition of Talkin' Talkies. Hey, guys, I'm Chris O'Mealy. This is Dan Peck. Hey. Hey there, people. It's Star Wars time. But first, a word from our sponsors. Hey, you guys know about the giant media ball? Giant media ball. It's a giant ball of media. Without the fleas. Uh, yes. Hey, you guys know about uh, Podcasts of Pennsylvania? Oh, no. Tell me about that. My buddy Chris Decker has started it, and Talkin' Talkies is now officially part of it with this episode. Yay! Yay! Oh, Kermit just showed up. That's weird. I know. Which is funny, because only half of the host is from Pennsylvania, but that's okay. Well, it's with the other show, only one-third of us is. It's from Pennsylvania. That's true. But... All right, guys, so this is going to be the Star Wars hype train. This will probably be a really long episode. Uh, We're going to do our best not to go crazy with this one because we are reviewing three movies, but we're also reviewing the prequels, so maybe it won't be so bad. We'll see. But Dan and I are going to take you on a character journey. It's going to be the worst ever. It's going to ruin my childhood. Oh, no, 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 no. All right, let's get this out of the way right away. These are the Star Wars prequels, episodes one, two, and three. I don't think they're as bad as everybody says they are. Me neither. Now, I get the flaws. I totally get it. And I can totally understand where people come from. But, like Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, these movies are still fun. Yes, they do rely too heavily on CG at times, which is the main thing that bothers me. And yes, a lot of the dialogue is very clumsy. Especially when it's dialogue that has to be said. It seemed like... He was really uh, like gung ho about new ideas, and that everything he had to do, he was just like, oh, "I guess I have to do this. Yeah. I guess I have to have them fall in love. So I guess whatever. <laughs> yeah. I, you are so pretty because I love you." Yeah, a lot of that dialogue really sucks. <laughs> but here's the thing: the movies still have a lot of good moments, and that's. Mostly what we're going to focus on. We'll talk about the flaws along the way, but we're going to kind of... Yippee! Like that, for example. All right. So, episode one is The Phantom Menace, and we're starting off with kind of a political storyline, because that's what's... Well, this is what's going to have to lead into the whole rise of the Empire. So, the Trade Federation, who we don't find out yet is actually being played the whole time, puts a blockade around Naboo, just because, well... They can. Why'd they pick Naboo? Well, because the senator for that planet is kind of got a master plan going on here. And we're going to take you through his journey as we take you through the journey of the other major characters, too. So we're talking about Palpatine slash Sidious right now, right? Yes. I think this he is the best character uh, in in the prequels. And and I love that they got Ian McDermott back to play him because I remember he. 
him saying in an interview, he's like, I thought they were going to cast somebody younger, but they're just like, nope, we want you. And I'm really glad they did because he's he's just so good with everything he does. Well, now they could actually use his his face and everything for the movie, right? Because well, yeah, because really you see him in the other ones. Yeah, he's heavily makeuped anyway, and they they work that in. Um, I also love uh, the casting of Ewan McGregor as Obi Wan Kenobi because he actually studied all of Alec Guinness's films so he could get the accent to match and so he could get his mannerisms to match. It's dedication to your craft, right there. And the, and you know, eventually, I believe that he the way he looked. In like two and three, was like you know what that guy would grow up to be Sir Alec Guinness. Yeah, I totally would have bought that. Um, I love that they got Liam Neeson cast in this movie. He actually agreed to do it without reading the script, which a lot of people say was probably the best thing that could have happened. Because if he read the script, he might have said no. And who plays young Anakin Skywalker? Well, none other than the kid who wants a Turbo Man for Christmas. It was Jamie. <laughs> Jamie. <laughs> Yes, Jamie is in this movie. Some All right. cookies. So let's so, talk about uh, Palpatine Sidious now. Yeah, well, we're going to talk about how he's uh, manipulating the Trade Federation. I think it's great, right? Because this is all about a guy who is just a freaking – he's practically a nobody pretty much. He, he's just a guy from Naboo that ended up becoming a senator, and he has a grand plan – to become the emperor of just about the entire yeah. universe. He, he, he does a full manipulation and uses everybody to his advantage just so he All can take the, over. The subtleties and the seed planting. And like everyone's like, political intrigue is boring. Nah, man, if you actually think about what the little moves are, man, it's genius. Yeah. So he blocks off his own planet, which forces two Jedis to try to negotiate with the Trade Federation, which are one of the first <laughs> stereotypes in the movie, as Newt Gunray is definitely Asian. They're well, the, definitely whole... the Federation are Asian. <laughs> well, the, all the Nemoidians were um, inspired by Chinese culture as far as costume and everything were concerned. So it's not so really everyone's like, oh, well, that's racist. I'm like, well, if that's what they are, that's what they are. And when they realize that the Jedis are on the ship, <clears throat> Sidious is like, all right, kill them. But, of course, they fail to do so because they have nothing but incompetent battle droids, which are not as good as Stormtroopers. They are no match for the droidicas. Wait, except they totally are. Because <laughs> they just zoom on out of there. <laughs> yep. Um, so they plan, they plan their invasion army. The Jedi sneak aboard. They encounter a Gungan outcast named Jar Jar Binks, who is like, Everybody's least favorite thing about all these movies, and while he is definitely an annoying character, you know the, the fan theory that he's like a great a, a, Sith, Lord? A Sith Lord. Yeah, because everything I, he does, like everything that happens, he has like some kind of arm movement. Yeah, and things happen, and how he like idiot savants his way through things. <laughs> it's an interesting fan theory, but I think it's just done because I think Lucas is behind it actually. <laughs> Behind the fan theory. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's Lucas's own fan theory. Like, cause he's like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Like the the I think the most the uh, biggest thing. Let's do Jar Jar's entire arc right now and get it over with. Um, like when it comes to the he battle, the galaxy. When it comes to the battle at the end of the first movie, and he like gets caught on like the droid arm that has the gun, and he's like, what, 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 and he just happens to take perfect shots with the gun. Uh, yeah. That's attached to his leg. 
Like, yeah, it's like he derps his way. Like, oh my goodness! Yeah, he really does derp his way. He had, the force is strong with that one. Plus, he dooms the galaxy by giving <laughs> giving Palpatine emergency powers. But we'll talk about that in the next. That's part week. of the manipulation and stuff. But that's exactly. that's further. Exactly. So, uh, Jar Jar takes them to Gungan City to get help. And we realize he got banished because he's clumsy. Although it took me a couple of watches to decipher his dialogue. It also took me watching a version with subtitles to decipher some of his dialogue. That was my biggest problem with the character initially was that I couldn't understand a lot of what he was saying. <laughs> the ability to speak does not make you intelligent. Yeah. And as Lucas says, Jar Jar is the key to all this, which means he either came up with that fan theory himself or he's really a dum-dum. You realize how much of that movie wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for Jar Jar. Yeah. But uh, they're managed to rescue Queen Amidala, who is played by Natalie Portman or Keira oh, Knightley, depending on that's how we're... my girl right there. Yes, Natalie Portman is super gorgeous. Super, super gorgeous. In fact, um, today I got my Jew pack for Cards Against Humanity, and they claim that Natalie Portman is actually a sex golem. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Um, they also There's also a fun game you can play to determine when Amidala is Kira Knightley and when it's Natalie Portman. Oh, yeah? Yes, that's a game I that people you can, can tell pretty on. easily. I'm sure you can. You just got to... Yeah. That's before Kira Knightley was famous. Yeah, it really is. And it was Natalie Portman had made a few things before that, and she was known, but not widely known. She did some stuffs. Well, yeah. of course, she did Leon, the professional, which is a yes. great movie that we should do sometime. I, I think we should. We Maybe should we'll do that. that on my birthday next year. Oh, damn. Because your birthday is being Star Wars-ized. <laughs> yep. It's being Star wars All right. So we rescue the queen. They escape on a ship, but their hyperdrive gets damaged. On a uh, Nubian? What's a Nubian? On a Nubian. <laughs> Fuck up. <laughs> the best part is, uh, this is how we meet R2-D2. He's an astromech droid that kind of is kind of assigned to the ship. And when the hyperdrive gets damaged, they dispatch all the astromech droids. And they only kill beside him. <laughs> one survives and saves the day. So he gets commended. Yay! <laughs> I love his Kira Knightley. Says, hey, bitch, you clean that droid. And she's telling the actual queen to clean the droid. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> then, uh, but because their hyperdrive is damaged, they have to land on a planet to get repairs. So they choose Tatooine because it's, it's remote. It's remote and it's controlled by the huts. Which so they're not. They wouldn't show up. The Trade Federation wouldn't show yeah. up. So Qui-Gon, Jar Jar, and R2 are going to go into town, but they are, <laughs> the queen commands them to take their handmaiden, and it's Padme. And he's like, well, I don't think this is a good idea, so stay close to me. And the whole time I'm like, man, you are just not being nice to this queen. I we think Qui-Gon knows the whole time. I'm, uh, is, is when I, my, my fan theory is Qui-Gon knows the whole time. Yeah, because don't him and Obi-Wan like, exchange a glance when the truth is revealed, and it's kind of like, oh, I knew. I think Obi-Wan's the one who was clueless, and he's just, he kind of, like, looks at Qui-Gon, like, well, okay. Obi-Wan's busy doing his own thing the entire time. He's busy doing repair yeah. stuff the whole time. He stayed, he stays on the ship. Yeah. So, they decide to try a local dealer, a smaller shop, and they end up choosing a shop owned by this dude named Watto, who is our next stereotype. That he's Toydarian! He is definitely, um, he is definitely, like, Jewish and Saudi Arabian. 
It's, def- it's definitely Watto. So he's he's Israeli and Palestinian? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Um, and he's got a slave named Anakin Skywalker, who's Jamie. Oh. Jamie! We need to review that next Christmas. So they're, they're kind of negotiating over the parts, and Qui-Gon tries a Jedi mind trick, but it fails. Because he's Kordarian! Yeah, which is such a dumb explanation. Why don't you just say he's actually strong-minded? Jeez, come on, man. Also, he's crippled. This is, uh... Watto's crippled. If you notice, one of his legs doesn't work. And half half his teeth are broken, which is why he's always flying. (laughs) Oh, poor Watto. A skip everywhere! But, uh, he's not going to be able to help him out because he won't take Republic credits... And the Jedi they're, they're not in Republic space. Yeah, so yeah, they're no good out there. So no, they don't. So they're they're going to kind of give up here. But Anakin saves Jar Jar's life after he pisses off Sebulba. Oh, because he wants to eat the food, but then the dude's like, "Hey, give me the whoopee," and he's like, "Do what now?" <laughs> yeah, right. Whoopee. Hey, you want a wonga? Because we get so much Huttese dialogue in this movie. Because everybody speaks the Hut language on Tatooine. It's like uh, it's like Florida. Everybody speaks two different languages, and they just switch back and forth all the time. Everybody speaks crackhead. Well, uh, that's Patterson. I, I don't go there anymore. It's a it's a hive of scum and villainy. I don't go there. P- Patterson. You must be cautious. P- Patterson, New Jersey. Oh. Well, Anakin takes him home because there's a sandstorm brewing. Uh, you never make it in time. Yeah. So he takes him home, introduces him to his mother. This is my and uh, I actually like the dinner scene here because... It's actually his best acting. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, really, it's really well done because he, he deciphers everything about, about them. He basically forces Qui-Gon to tell them the truth. And he's like, you're a Jedi Knight. Well, maybe I killed the Jedi and took his weapon. No, you didn't. You can't you're here get a Jedi. You're here to free us, right? I wish you were no, right. I think you are. Yeah, so he's just like, all right, Anakin, there's no fooling you. So here's here's the boring real reason why we're here. We're stranded, and we don't have any money. Just like, oh, well, that sucks. Well, why don't, you enter, us. <laughs> why don't you enter my pod in the big pod race tomorrow? That's actually the day after tomorrow. Oh, no. Is that another movie we have to review? <laughs> oh, uh... I don't know, do we? We can we do can. a disaster month. I love disaster movies. I'd be all for that. So, uh... <clears throat> so we meet Anakin. So Anakin's... Basically, they come up with this big plan. Qui-Gon tells Watto that the pot is actually his. And he won he, it in a game of chance. Yes. And he fronts it as... He fronts his uh, Nubian ship as the entry fee for the pod race. Ah, and here's more of the gesticulation and manipulation going on here. Right, because he's like, oh, I'll supply the boy and we'll split the winnings 50-50. He goes, well, no, if we're going to do it that way... Then you give the money, bitch. (laughs) And either you give me the parts I need, or you get the ship. ship. And he's like, oh, good deal. (laughs) My favorite part is how, after he's making all these bets, Padme's Padme's like, the queen's not going to approve. He's like, yeah, well, the queen trusts my judgment. And she just kind of sits down like, well, I don't approve. (laughs) I know you're the queen. (laughs) <laughs> like, all defeated, like. So he fixes up his big pod. Now, while this is happening, 
and the Jedi oh, are missing. Back and the to tr- Palpatine. Yeah, and the, je- <laughs> the Jedi are missing, and Sidious is not too happy with this, so he dispatches his apprentice, Darth Maul. My apprentice, Darth Maul. Because there's no way we can find the ship. It's impossible. Yeah? Not for a Sith. And then he shows up with, like, that dark chorus music, the background, like the ha-cha-cha. It's like the Freddy Krueger-style stuff. Yep. Which is, uh... Oh, so, wrestling side note, Alexa Bliss dressed as Freddy Krueger was amazing. All right, back to Star Wars. So, Maul actually arrives on the planet the day of the pod race and successfully tracks him down. But we got to talk about the pod race here. Of all the scenes in episode one, objection, Your Honor, the pod race was pretty cool. It was cool. And then you realize that they probably used half of the time and budget making this scene. (laughs) My My favorite stat about the pod race is that they studied... NASCAR race crashes so they could make the pod crashes authentic. Authentic. Uh, oh, you know what I forgot to mention? We discovered that uh, not only can Anakin fix anything and build anything, he built this protocol droid named C-3PO, who <laughs> he is just a bunch of wires and circuits and hasn't actually been completed yet. Like toss a shoeing? Oh my goodness. I also love 3PO and R2 talking trash about Jar Jar the whole time. Like, when they're working on the pod, he's like, that Jar Jar fellow's a little odd. And R2 just, like, grunts and shakes his head. <laughs> like, he's annoyingly agreeing. <laughs> that scene made me laugh pretty hard. There's some decent comedy in this movie. Um, we also meet Jabba the Hutt, who's here to watch the pod race and officiate it, and falls asleep falls during asleep it. During- during a three-lap race. <laughs> three-lap race. explosions just... everywhere. And then uh, we get Bob Costas up in the box with his, uh, his foreign counterpart. One head speaks English. The other head, or basic, because it's Star Wars. The other head speaks Huddies. Yeah, and it's freaking, uh, what's his name from whose line is it anyway? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Greg Proops. Yeah. <clears throat> so, uh. Long story short, Anakin wins the race, even though he has several moments where he looks like he's going to Well, he gets sabotaged by Sebulba. Yeah, but he still wins because he diverts the power from the engines. And uh, but before the race, the the stakes get even higher because Watto's going to bet everything on Sebulba. And Qui-Gon's like, hey, I'll take that bet, too. If uh, if I win. You will bet the pod versus the boy and his mother. And he's like, no, no pod is worth two slaves. All right. How about the boy? So he pulls out his rigged chance cube and Qui-Gon manipulates it with the force. That's how he finally gets the one up here. You might have won this game of chance. (laughs) Well, he doesn't want to come through with his bet, though, because he says it wasn't fair. Qui-Gon's like, well, let's go talk to the huts. Uh, No, just take the kid. So he gets all this wonderful prize money. He uh, gives it to his mother, and we find out he's been freed. And Anakin shares an emotional moment where he says goodbye to his mother, wondering if he'll ever see her again. And she says, well, what does your heart tell you? He goes, I think so. But we will see each other again. And they do. In hell. (laughs) But on their way back to the ship, Darth Maul attacks Qui-Gon. And we get their their first shot of... The Sith and the Jedi having a lightsaber battle in this movie. It's quick, but it's effective because the whole time Qui-Gon's like, it's an it. 
and it was very trained in the force. So we're going to cut to uh, our first emotional little moment between Padme and Anakin. He carves her this little necklace that she wears, or like a bracelet or something. It'll bring her good fortune, and she's like, well... I still care about you, even after we land at the capital. Well, she wasn't even there. Well, she, she quote-unquote, wasn't there. Right. So, we arrive at Coruscant, which is actually probably the coolest planet in the <clears throat> Oh, we forgot my favorite line! One of my favorite lines. Oh, which one's that? Coruscant, um, uh, uh, that doesn't calculate. <laughs> uh, you're under arrest. <laughs> that is a pretty funny line. <laughs> It certainly beats Roger Roger. <laughs> Whenever they get... <laughs> Whenever they get a command, it's Roger Roger. Roger. <laughs> I love all the indecisiveness of a droid. Um, uh, that doesn't compute. Uh, 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 you're under arrest. <laughs> um, we land at the capital, and Coruscant is a planet that's basically one giant-ass city. Yeah. And it's also the capital... Of the, it's the, it's the capital planet of the entire galaxy. Of the Republic. In fact, I believe in a, it's the center of the galaxy, and it's uh, in Star Wars like expanded universe lore. It's like coordinate zero 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 whatever. So it is officially. Oh, they got to do X Y and Z coordinates because it's three dimensional. It's three dimensional, right? And Coruscant is the bright center. So, <clears throat> Anakin is taken to the Jedi Temple, so he can begin his Jedi training because he's super strong with the Force, and his midi-chlorian count is through the roof. It's even higher than Master Yoda's. I don't know what that means, though. And, uh... By the way, I don't hate midi-chlorians like some people, like most people do, for whatever reason. I don't, I don't hate it either. Um, it's giving a scientific answer instead of, like, a religious one, which I'm sure is... There's a lot of people's issue with it. They're like, it didn't need to be explained. It's just like, well, whatever. It's still not explained. It's just, hey, there's these things. Do we also, okay. um, we also are hinted that Anakin is conceived by the midi-chlorians because his, he did not have a father. His mother just... There's a pregnant. high concentration of midi-chlorians in her puss. <laughs> wow, okay. But, uh... <laughs> The other the other explanation that we'll find out in episode three is that he might have had a father. He just didn't realize it. And we'll discuss that. Um, so we, <clears throat> the whole the whole thing is set up so that Palpatine will force Amidala to give him to uh, vote out Chancellor Valorum as a vote of no confidence because he just doesn't get shit done. It's and then they'll elect a new friends. chancellor. And of course, he's he has somebody nominate him and then the sympathy vote will get him the win pretty much yeah that's exactly how, so how it happens more of the political machinations and manipulations and seed planting and little things that come to fruition and become a big freaking thing that takes over the entire universe meanwhile anakin will not be trained because he he's too damn old and there's too much fear in him but Qui-Gon keeps saying, like, no, this is the, the prophecy says that this is the this is oh. the guy who's gonna bring balance to the force. By the way, uh having some Sith and some Jedi is balance. Yeah. And it can I actually why they keep talking like that. Like you have to have only Jedi, no Sith. That's balance. No, it's not. No, Anakin does bring balance to the force. He does. 
That's so, not feelings. They um That's not equality. Yeah. <laughs> that's uh that's Donald Trump's Jedi Council. Oi. Hopefully, by the time you guys are replaying this episode, that won't be a relevant joke anymore. I hope. Anyways. <sighs> Moving on here. We are... They, they decide... All right, look. If this dude's actually a Sith that's chasing you, then send Amidala back to Naboo, draw out the attacker, figure out what the hell's going on here. Oh, and while you're at it, we're going to get the Gungans to form a huge army to be a distraction so we can sneak in and kidnap Viceroy Gunray. Good thing we have Jar Jar with us. Yep. Good thing, because he has to go plead to the Gungans. And this is when Padme reveals herself to be the true queen. There's Anakin, a nobody there. And Anakin's like, what? And Obi-Wan's like, what? And Qui-Gon's like, yup. Bitch, please. <laughs> I already knew that. So the Gungans lead a battle against the battle droids. While I love that they keep on referring to the Gungans as primitives, and then they like bust out the shields and shit, and you're like, "Oh fuck!" Yeah, they got some technology there. They also built a pretty badass underwater city with all the bubbles, the bubbles, the bubbles, bubbles, bubbles. Yes, <laughs> Matt Bloom in the re- in the live action Finding Nemo playing bubbles, <laughs> of course. Uh, so they send some pilots to knock out the Trade Federation ship to take out the droids. And while they're trying to sneak through the, I don't even know what you would call it, the palace, I guess. Go with palace. Yeah, they're trying to get to the palace so they can get the get to the uh, throne room so they can get Viceroy Gunray. But they are ambushed by Darth Maul. Dun dun. And then the awesome John Williams score plays. Can't duel the fates. The best thing that came out of the prequels. Oh my god! And we have the coolest lightsaber battle. It is the coolest. The coolest. The three-way lightsaber battle. Darth Maul and his duels, his duel, his, his double-edged blader saber. His blader's blade staff. And then you have Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon fighting him. Amidala's group runs through the capital. <laughs> With Captain Panaka. Yep. And then, uh, and the Gungans start getting a pretty big losing effort. And the pilots are losing, too. But it's okay, because Anakin ends up in the battle because he sneaks into a fighter to be safe. And Qui-Gon told him to stay in the fighter. Yeah. Well, the autopilot takes him there. So him and R2 start blasting everything in sight. But they get shot down into the hangar. But they destroy it by accidentally firing the proton torpedoes, which takes out the ship, which takes out the battle droid. See, now, see, he's using the force. This... Further proves that Jar Jar (laughs) has the Force. Sure does. And with the battle droids taken out, right right as the Gungans are taken hostage, they win the battle. Oh, mine give up. (laughs) Mine give up. Oh, you forgot Uh, the biggest Jar Jar line in the whole thing. We're going home! Oh, jeez. I I try to forget a lot of the lines. (laughs) But, uh... They successfully kidnap the Viceroy, but not all... By the double Amidala. Yes. But not all good comes out of this because Qui-Gon is fatally wounded by Darth Maul. And while Obi-Wan tries to take him out, he force pushes him into into the chasm. And then... 
becomes the stupidest thing I've ever seen a Sith Lord do. He just starts swinging his lightsaber at the ground, creating sparks. This will scare him. And then Obi-Wan force jumps out, and Darth Maul just kind of watches him the whole time like, huh? And he cuts him in half. He's like, oh. Oh, and he gets Qui-Gon's. Yeah, he pulls Qui-Gon's saber. Yeah. As badass as Maul is, his... His, his precursor to his death is just ridiculous because he just kind of he starts swinging his lightsaber like a toddler and then he just watches Obi-Wan jump over his head and slice him in half. Yet when Anakin did not have the high ground, we're going to talk about that pretty soon. That's so d- high ground in a sword fight it makes no sense. It didn't, but it doesn't make any sense. But with Qui-Gon's dying words, he he said, tells Obi-Wan, please train the boy. He is the chosen one. And with much reluctance from the Jedi Council, they agree to give him the rank of Jedi Knight and give him Anakin as his Padawan. Which actually works out for a while. But Skywalker is your Padawan. I cannot do. No. No, no, no. And then we have a peace ceremony. As Very the Gun reminiscent gets... of episode four. Yes. But up, but up, but up, but up, but up, but where, where, where Sith Lord Jar Jar trips getting off of his, getting off his horse, pretty much. Yep. And we have a funeral pyre to burn the body of Qui Gon as they wonder. There's always two Siths, a master and an apprentice, but which was destroyed? The master, the apprentice, and close up on Palpatine's face. That, of course, is the Phantom Menace. So here's some fun trivia. So, as you guys know... At the end of the credits, you hear Darth Vader breathe. Yes, that is a thing. Um, Ewan McGregor kept making lightsaber noises as he dueled. (laughs) (laughs) Which Hayden Christensen also did, and then they were just like, look, it's going to sound a lot better in post-production, I promise. Uh, 75% of audiences would pay full prices to see a movie and then walk out of said movie after they saw the episode one trailer in its first week of its release. Um, they built a lot of sets only as high as the top of the actor's head so they could do the rest with computer graphics. But since Liam Neeson was so tall, he cost the set crew an extra $150,000 in construction. (laughs) He has a particular set of skills. Yes. Uh, when they shipped out the trailer, they told everybody with strict instructions, do not show it early. And a Canadian movie theater accidentally showed it a day early, so that theater lost the rights to show the movie at all. Oh, damn. Oh, so you're saying people paid money to go to the to see a movie and then left after only seeing the, the trailer because yep. they wanted to see the trailer so bad? Yep. This before the internet, folks. Well, not before the internet, but before YouTube. <laughs> yeah, but before before you could really go nuts. In fact, I remember downloading a copy of the trailer, a QuickTime video from their website, because that was like the big video player at the time. And it was it took forever because I had dial up internet in nineteen ninety-nine. <laughs> yes, obviously Natalie Portman's voice is digitally altered. And that's to distinguish between when she's Padme and when she's Amidala. Also, Natalie Portman missed the premiere party in New York because she had to go home to study for her high school finals. Yeah. (laughs) Jake Lloyd claims that he got bullied so much for playing Anakin that he retired from acting, yet he still does Anakin's voice in video games and appears at Star Wars conventions. Yippee! 
He hey, did a movie with uh, about like helping some lake town with Jim Caviezel. So it was like Darth Vader and Jesus save and a small Jesus. town. Save a small town. Um, Kira Knightley's own mother couldn't recognize the difference between her and Portman when they were fully making her mom's the dumb dumb. Um, Lucas wanted to cut the scene where Liam Neeson puts his hand on Shmi Skywalker's shoulder because he's like, that's out of character for a Jedi. And Liam Neeson's like, um, yeah, it's Star Wars, but we need to have an emotional connection because the adults are not stupid. They're gonna fuck. Original idea for Darth Maul, Benicio Del Toro. Of course. Uh, Tupac Shakur was actually going to be in this movie, possibly as the Mace Windu role, but unfortunately his murder prevented that from happening. Tupac Shaker. And yes, it has been said that Samuel L. Jackson had bad mother effer carved into his lightsaber hilt. Oh, uh, we're not going to get to that until the next, ep- next episode, are we? Yes, but it's still something to About discuss. why his lightsaber is purple. Yes, because that's what he wanted. Because he wanted saber. to be, because he knew, because in episode two, he shows up in a big, huge fight, and <laughs> there's lightsabers everywhere, <laughs> and he wanted to know where he was, so he's like, make mine a different color. I also didn't discuss this because it, it annoys me, but Darth Maul only speaks three lines. Uh, Personally, I would have preferred him to speak zero lines, because oh, the whole we'll have our revenge. Uh, the whole hard-hitting, soft-spoken thing doesn't work. You listening, Bobby Lashley? It doesn't work. I have nothing to say. I have nothing to say, bastard. Well, what about Mike Tyson? It worked for him for like 20 well, years, bro. First scene shot in principal photography, Palpatine and Maul on the balcony talking. Last scene shot, Qui-Gon's death. Bop, 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 Oh, and because of the contact lenses, Ray Park couldn't actually blink. But he actually liked that. He only blinks once when Obi-Wan cuts him in half. Yes. So, Star Wars Episode One is actually pretty cool. It's it's not great, and I get the flaws, but it's really not as bad as a lot of people make it out to be. Now, funnily enough, uh, Episode 2 is often ranked below Episode 1. And in the interview with Simon Pegg when he was talking about Star Wars, he claims it's his least favorite because he says they had a chance to correct the mistakes of the first one and they didn't do it. But I like what they did with Episode 2. I don't necessarily like the title, Attack of the Clones, because it sounds like something Mystery Science Theater would be reviewing. But It's Star Wars. It's still pretty good. So we're going to move on to Attack of the Clones now. Attack of the Clones, which is for Obi-Wan for like most of the movie, yeah, is a is... detective noir story as he <laughs> tries really to figure is. out who this uh, person was that tried to kill the senator. Right, because the, the the movie opens up with an assassination attempt on Queen Amidala. And she did the whole swap thing again. Yes, which is, the whole reason she does it is revealed, because people want her dead. So we've got that, and we also have uh, Anakin, as it's ten year, been ten years now, so he's basically like 17. So he's like it, it, perfectly teenage angst at this point. Now you see, now you see, 
I think they should have they could have done a better job casting. They could have cast me as Anakin Skywalker because I could have been in all three movies. <laughs> okay, and then I would have a romance with Natalie Portman, and then our secret wedding in the movie would be a secret real wedding in real life as I married Natalie Portman. Naturally, IRLs. Naturally, and I thought like that would be perfect. And then me and Ellie Portman would be married, and then we could make one more Star Wars movie, and it'd be great. How'd that work out for you? <clears throat> well, <laughs> well, yeah, still waiting on that. Well, I like the job Hayden Christensen does, and here's why. I watched Doug Walker's top 11 best things about the prequels, and he makes a couple of really good points about Hayden Christensen's acting. If you watch any scenes where he doesn't have to deliver dialogue and just focus on his facial expressions, they're perfect. But if you focus on a lot of the lines that he's saying, it's really not great. It's the worst. He's too judgmental. But also Natalie Portman is kind of the same way, too. When she's not speaking, she has really good lines, but or really good scenes, but when she's actually delivering lines... Because everything between the two of them is forced, because that has to happen. Yeah, it's awkward. It's a lot of awkwardness. Now, Christopher Lee does an awesome job as Count Dooku. Because he's actually stabbed a guy before. Yes. And uh, Ian McDermott does an amazing job, again. And then, of course, you got the rest of the characters. So let's talk about... Someone's trying to assassinate Amidala, so they recruit some Jedis to protect her and try to solve the mystery. Well, Obi-Wan is going to protect her. Anakin's going to solve the mystery. And there's a bounty hunter out to get her named Zam Wessel, who was recruited by Jango Fett, who was recruited by a man called Tyrannus. Uh, this Zam Wessel fails to assassinate her. Anakin chases her through Coruscant, and this scene is just so awesome. It is great. Especially when he, when he cuts off the taxi <laughs> Obi- driver. Obi-Wan's holding on to the, the little droid thing, little droid ball. Yeah. He's going through the city. And Anakin just totally carjacks somebody. He just takes somebody's speeder. Well, you had to find the right one with the right speed and the size. and the <laughs> Yeah. <clears throat> also, I think this is also more genius work from Palpatine, right? He's, like, <clears throat> doing all the, all the things. And he's like, oh, well, you know, Gunray wants her dead, but I don't want her dead yet. So we're going to have people come in and try to kill her, but we're going to make sure that the right people are there at the right time to make sure she doesn't actually die yet. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Because I need her, her and he goes to manipulate Anakin because yep. he's going to... It's Anakin. just like, oh, if you ever actually think about what's going on. Well, he knows from the beginning who Anakin is and how he was created because his master was Darth Plagueis. Like, so he, he knows what's going on here. He knows what he's doing. This is why the Emperor is one of the best characters in all the movies. Spoiler for a future Jersey Rain blog, by the way. Top 10 best Star Wars characters. He, he may or may not be on the list, but he most definitely will be. <laughs> Palpatine? Yeah. Better be on that list. 
Yeah. So this the, the chase scene is one of my favorite scenes because we see a lot more of Coruscant. Um, <laughs> I laughed when they cut off the <laughs> the Sebulba taxi driver. It's not actually him, but he just goes Jedi Pudu. You're like, yeah, I know that means fodder, but they use they use it as kind of like a derogatory swear word. <laughs> so that made me laugh. I also laugh when Anakin just jumps out of the speeder. Oh, after like, like apologizing, I'm yeah. sorry, Master. I won't oh. do it again, Master. Oh, so excuse me. <laughs> yeah. God, I hate it when he does that. He also drops his lightsaber. Of course. And they chase them into the club. And th- here's one of my absolute favorite scenes in any Star Wars. Oh, movie. there's also a fan theory in this scene. Oh, is there? There's a Matrix fan theory. Oh, I don't think I know this one. Because the guy that offers death sticks played Mouse in the Matrix, and he created the program with the hot chick to distract the new people. And the hot chick to distract the new people is his girlfriend in this movie. So, there we go. So, facto, Star Wars is a Matrix program created by Mouse. Oh, jeez. I like the fan theory that the galaxy far, far away is actually the Andromeda galaxy because in E.T. he recognizes Yoda and then e- there's a bunch of E.T. species in the Senate. Yeah, you can see them like raising their hands. And when when E.T. says how far away his homeworld is, if you measure it out, it's as far away as the Andromeda galaxy. So, yeah, all the stuff that's happening in this movie, you can actually view it from the naked eye from our planet. Because you can totally see that galaxy from the naked eye. You can see, you can see the stars and stuff. It's written in the stars. A million miles away. <laughs> a little bit further than that. But uh, my favorite, just a little. <laughs> my favorite scene. <laughs> you want to buy some death sticks? Uh, you don't want to sell me death sticks. Uh, I don't want to sell you death sticks. You want to go home and rethink your life. I, I want, want to go home and rethink my life. Oh my god, house, man. And then, uh, Jedi business, go back to your drinks. Everyone's like, okay. Because Obi-Wan's got a real knack for, like, cutting people's arms off. Yeah. It's not going to be the last time he I does imagine that. these people are there, like, drinking away the fact that, like, well, the freaking Senate's falling apart and everything was fucked up. And yeah. there's these people trying to kill people over there. And a whole lot of bullshit's happening. We might as well just go drink and have some death sticks. Like, I don't know if I'd want to live in the Star Wars universe, because a lot of death and disfigurement happens, and people are really casual about it. At that moment, yeah. I guess there's some good times in there, but you know. Yeah. I guess you gotta live in the thousands of years in between stories. Yeah. <laughs> between the Old Republic and this. Which I guess this well, is still the Old Republic, isn't it? Yep, it's still the Republic. <laughs> still the Old Republic. Well, they try to interrogate Zam, but she's killed by a poison dart with Camino markings, which Obi-Wan finds out when he goes to meet his old buddy oh. at a at a grease trap diner, which is one of my least favorite scenes in all the movies. It's great, especially the 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 waitress. Like it's it's funny and it's humorous, but it's really annoying at the same it's time. Back to the detective norm where he goes <laughs> and sees his his inside contacts. Yep. It depends how good your manners are and how how big your big pocket pocketbook is. Yeah, but they don't give him the backstory to let you know that he's like he used to do missions with Obi-Wan unless you I read about bet the extended you that universe it's in the novelization. Oh, I'm sure. I bet there's so much. You know what? I have I at least I had the novelization episode 1. It's better than the movie. Yeah, I have that same novel and it is better than the movie. And of course I got the Amadala cover cuz, you know, my girl. 
Oh, I've got the mall cover because that's just the one that was. No, because it's the one that was accessible. Damn it! All right, so we got got knobs on his head. Maybe you put. We have to talk about. We got to talk about Obi Wan looking for Kamino in the Jedi Temple. I know you need to talk about this. Yes. So he's trying to he's trying to look for the the planetary system in the library, and he calls for help. The old librarian, old ass librarian. Shows up. He's like, the planet should be here. All of the stars are are converging in this area, but it doesn't. But it's not there. Well, if it's not in the name, blah, 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 blah. yeah. If it's not in our records, it doesn't exist. Well, all right, bitch. Jeez. Jeez. But the best part is that he takes the he takes his question to Yoda, who's training all the Padawans, and Yoda's like all the younglings. Yeah. Young Yoda, Yoda's like the father figure, and he's like joking around. He's like Obi Wan lost a planet. How embarrassing! How embarrassing! He's like anybody have a thought? Well, so look, freaking four year old kids like yeah, someone like, deleted that shit. Yeah, he's like, oh, how wonderful the mind of a child is. I'm just like, man, Yoda's a dick. Duh, Obi-Wan, his four-year-old figured it out. <laughs> well, so here's what happens next. Uh, <laughs> Padme goes back to Naboo with Anakin guarding her. That way, she <laughs> May the Force be with you, and also with you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then uh, Obi-Wan goes to Kamino to visit the cloners. So let's talk about what happens on Naboo. Um, okay, they a whole bunch of forced things that aren't yes. that great because they're forced. Yeah, they're having like the picnic in the field. They they kiss. He's making really awkward. He's being really creepy. The creepiest <laughs> part is when she's like wearing the dominatrix outfit at this fireside. Oh yeah, and you're just, just like, like what, what is going on here? Just like what is about to happen? <laughs> I thought this movie was supposed to be for kids. What is going on right now? They're all peachy. Why is she wearing a dominatrix outfit? But uh, he has another vision about his mother being in trouble on Tatooine, so she's like, "All right, well, let's go. Uh, let's go save your mother." Oh, I think the best part, like the best romance part, is actually when he is like riding that weird cow beetle thing. Yeah, and he falls off, and he acts like he's dead, and she goes running to him, and he's like, "Gotcha, bitch." Yeah, that actually is pretty funny. That's actually probably the mo- the funniest and most romantic scene and most like realistic because, scene in the entire thing. Totally real, especially when she sees him laughing and she just punches him. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true, though. Well, they go to Tatooine, they track down Watto, and of course, as soon as he recognizes Anakin as a Jedi, he's like, hey, can you help me out with some dead beans who owe me money? <laughs> He's like, no, I want my mother. Oh, okay, well, I uh, I sold her to this guy who freed her and married her. How about that? Yeah, but it's on the other side of Moss Eisley, so. A moisture farmer. Yes. Klieg Lars, whose son is Owen Lars. And this and is his girlfriend, girlfriend Baru. It's like, oh, I know who these people are. Well, again, another thing that's explained in Expended Universe, but the Tusken Raiders kidnapped his mother on orders from Dooku because they were paid. They kidnapped his mom about a month ago. See, not manipulation to make him turn to the dark side. And when he finds his mother, she dies in his arms. She says, I love shoes. In a a moment of feels. And he just goes and slaughters everything. And he slaughtered all of them. The women. Not just the men, the women and the children. Uh, that's this is the first time you really see Anakin dabbling towards the dark side, like that very uncomfortable. 
like that that uncomfortable crossing the line sort they of thing. They were animals, and I slaughtered them like animals. Yes. But meanwhile, Obi-Wan goes to Kamino, discovers the clone army that was placed by this guy named Cypher Diaz, but he was dead when he actually placed the order, so that doesn't make sense. Oh, no. So he interrogates the bounty hunter, Jango Fett, that's the base for the clones. He's like, <laughs> I love how he's like such a dick to him, too. He goes, you ever made it as far in as Coruscant? Maybe. When? Recently? <laughs> Perhaps. And his son, Boba, who is an unaltered clone. No growth acceleration. So just freaking holy shit, that kid. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that, yeah, kill him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what that kid looks like? He looks like Chev. He does. Oh, God. Oh. Little baby Chev. Little baby Chev. Uh, Club K yeah, listeners, you know yeah. who we're talking about. Yeah, get him, Dad. Get him. Kill him. Yeah. Like, yeah, shoot him. Yeah. Jesus, kid. Calm down. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I do like the fight. Goldberg showed up. Jesus. But I, do like, I like the fight scene that they have, though, because it's like hand-to-hand combat. And they specifically did that because we haven't really seen that in the trilogy. And that's another funny moment. When he kicks Django over the side and realizes his arms are still banned, he's like, oh, not good. It just goes with him. So, yeah, we have, uh, <clears throat> we have Obi-Wan, Django fight. Django and his son take off. Obi-Wan tracks them to Geonosis. Now, they have a is space... that Slave 1 or is it Slave 0? Yeah. That's another good... Uh, that's a, that's one of my favorite quick skits from Robot Chicken. When Lando's checking out Boba Fett's ship, he goes, that's a great ship they got there, Boba. Not crazy about the name, though. <laughs> <laughs> and it's actually Billy D. Williams doing the voice, which makes it oh, better. Of course. Billy D. So, uh... <laughs> so... He tracks him to Geonosis. They uh, he he pulls the trick where he hides on the asteroid. Oh, this that like the extension into the asteroid field and stuff. Cool. Yeah, but that's um that's actually something that Boba Fett learns. According, Lucas confirmed this. He says, "Yeah, that's why Boba Fett does that trick and and spies on them when the Millennium Falcon disappears." Because he's like, "Oh, yeah, all right, I know what you guys are doing. Good try, but I've already seen this before." When I was a little kid going, yeah, get him, Dad, yeah, yeah, get him, Dad. Dad. <laughs> so his uh, his Australian father. Bobby Fett. <laughs> Bobby Fett. Dad. Can I get that, boy? Bobby Fett. Bobby Fett. Oh, 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 that boy ain't right. <laughs> oh, may the force be with you. Oh, that was a little more Bobby G than I wanted. But anyway. <laughs> We're getting all the references in this episode. Jeez. All right. So like me. They, when they arrives on Geonosis, he realizes that Count Dooku's there with all the separatists. And he's like, well, OK, this is something's up here. So he tries to contact. He tries to contact uh, the capital. The but council, he's too far out. He's too far away. So he contacts I mean, Anakin instead. What, what is he doing on Tatooine? Uh, well, well, screw it here. I'll give him the message. And, uh. But now, of course, Anakin's so upset about everything that's happening. He's like, no, Obi-Wan told me to stay here. And Padme's like, no, he told you to protect me, and I'm going to go help him. So I guess you're just going to have to come with me. And he's just like, oh, LOL, okay. And I think the biggest thing, my my biggest issue in this one is, like, everything in the ship Padme has is activated with the same fucking button on the console. (laughs) Like, send message is the same button as receive message is the same button as start takeoff procedure. It's just a, just a one-button ship. Jeez. 
So Obi-Wan, <laughs> Obi-Wan it's, it's gets contextual, it knows what you want. Yes. <laughs> Obi-Wan gets captured by Count Dooku, and this is a cool part of the story because we know he used to be a Jedi, and he he kind of gives you plants the seeds of doubt, like right in this scene where he's like, No, this is just a mistake. I'm gonna free you in no time. But first let me ask you a question. And I like it because in that one line, he already becomes a better character than Darth Maul. <laughs> in just one line. It's Christopher well, because, Lee. Because Darth Maul is like a freaking cartoon thing, right? Like, he's, uh... He looks scary. Yeah. But, he's, he, but, like, you can't have that guy talk anyway. Like, even if you had a good voice for him or whatever, it's just like, no. It's it's better for him to just be yeah. there and have the freaking saber. Yeah, Kylo Ren has blade. a better voice than he does. But So, like, now you got a great actor who isn't under a bunch of makeup and shit. Yeah, you a know? great friggin' actor. So, so Saruman, bros. So Saruman arrives. <laughs> and he's and like, yeah, and he tells he's them like, that there's nothing that you can do that can defeat Sauron, so you might as well join him. Jedi to Isengard. He took the hobbits to Isengard. <laughs> he sure did. So, <clears throat> this is... This oh, is cool the we got star plans. Oh, yeah, we'll talk about that. But I like this arc, too, because we start hearing about how... He, Qui-Gon was actually his Padawan, and then later we find out that he was Yoda's, Yoda's Padawan. Padawan. Oh, yeah. So it just keeps going up the line. So, Dooku, uh, Anakin, and Padme arrive. There's this really crazy sequence where they're in, like, the, the droid factory. And it's Which kinda is like, kind of fun, but kind of overdone. Kind of fun, but kind of overdone. <laughs> and uh, they and get... The droids end up, and C-3PS is the thing that makes the most sense. They didn't tell us to join him, so let's not join him. And R2-D2 is like, fuck that shit. <laughs> he pushes him in, and 3PO's head gets mixed up with the battle droids. So his bottom half is attached to a, dro- a battle droid head, and his head is attached to a battle droid body. Yep. <laughs> it's it's actually some pretty good humor here. So Anakin and Padme get sentenced to death in the, in the Roman Colosseum, along with uh, Obi-Wan. He's like, what are you doing here? We came to rescue you. Oh, good job. Great job! And we start getting all the all the creatures that are gonna they're gonna Ages. kill. There's like three of them. There's the rhino, the saber toothed tiger, and then uh, the big insecty thing, like the weird praying mantis ish yeah. thing with the stuff and the, the stuff and, in the thing. And Dooku, Duke Gunray, Jango Fett—they're all watching as all this stuff happens. But of course, it's Obi Wan, Anakin, and Padme, so they're actually able to. To uh, they Padme ride goes the rhino. Full badass, and yeah, last they ride the rhino. They kill the one thing. I like how they're like tricking uh, uh, Anakin's talking about what what he could do with Obi Wan. He's like, and what about Padme? And Obi Wan's like, uh, I think she's okay. <laughs> yeah, because she's already she already climbed the thing. <laughs> and that's when we uh, that's and that's when, when her top gets ripped up. Oh yes. Well, it's okay, though, because the Jedi are coming to the rescue. After Jar Jar grants emergency powers to the Emperor. Oh, and that was another seed planted, like, freaking expertly. Yeah, because he can create this grand army of... Perhaps, if Senator Amidzala were here. Yeah. Oh, wait. (laughs) The guy that's here filling in for her. Yeah. Oh, he's a Sith. He'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) I also really like how... uh, Um... And then we're talking still, like, seeds planted 10 years ago for this. Yeah, it's a, it's a long-ass process to get to this, this point. This is a long con, bro. 
but he uh after he grants the power, he creates this grand army of the Republic, which already exists. It already exists. See? Yeah. Ah, ten years in the making. Yeah. So Yoda goes to see the clones, and Windu takes all the Jedi he can like to Kit the arena. Fisto and Kit Fisto, Plo Koon, Ayla Secura, like the the cool Jedi's, and then like the no name ones who all get killed in the battle. Yeah, the ones that aren't aliens, all the human ones. Die. Well, one of well, one of the aliens gets killed. He he jumps up on Dooku's platform, and Jango Fett just shoots him. But the the whole point of this battle was to prove that the Jedi are not actually invincible, because a bunch of them die in the battle. They uh they end up surrounded by. There the is a German shorts. board game based on this fight, by the way. That's awesome. It's pretty sweet, and there's an expansion. Well, actually, it's I think it's in the game. But there's like an extra thing where you control R2-D2 as he finds the two halves of C-3PO and puts them back together. That's pretty funny. It's like a secondary objective. Those scenes are actually pretty funny. Like the battle droid's like, ah, I got a problem. My legs <laughs> My don't work. I must don't need work. maintenance. Yes. And then 3PO's like, die, Jedi scum. What oh, am I no. saying? <laughs> then he just, uh, Kit Fisto just takes him out. He <laughs> just force pushes him over. <laughs> and he's like, that's it. That's it. Well, as they're surrounded by battle droids, the recruitments arrive as the clone trooper ship arrives and just starts cleaning house with Yoda at the command. They rescue all the Jedi. Around them, a perimeter create. Yes. They rescue the Jedi. They pursue Dooku. Uh, Mace Windu kills Jango Fett. <laughs> he just runs at him and cuts his head off. Yeah. Like a little bitch. <laughs> and Boba's sad. And he lifts up the, <laughs> lifts up the helmet and the head falls out. <laughs> like, but, uh, why doesn't his head fall out? I don't know. There's like another another movie is if someone gets hit with a lightsaber, they just their body disappears and their clothes just crumple. Yeah, so it's just his head stays perfectly in his helmet. Um, that would have went from PG to R just with that. I think pretty much. He yeah. lifted the helmet and his dad's head fell out. Oh my god! Ah. <laughs> so they pursue Dooku. Uh, Padme falls off the ship, and this is, of course, no, focus on the mission, damn it. Which is exactly what happens, because they confront Dooku, they have a lightsaber battle, Anakin's too headstrong, so of course him and Obi-Wan lose, but then Yoda shows up to save the day in one of the other best scenes ever. Yes. Now, I I gotta tell a story. We saw this on opening night as a school field trip, actually. That was it was like part of my pop culture class. They're just like, "Hey, we're gonna go see Star Wars." And I'm like, "Well, that's the coolest thing when did ever." This come out, O two. Yeah, so I was a junior in high school when this came I out. I was a senior. Yes. So we 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 went on this field trip and it was awesome. And then uh, <laughs> was your senior trip instead of going to Six Flags, you went to see Star Wars. No, we went to Virginia Beach, but <laughs> that would have been cool too. <laughs> but we're in the theater and. When it gets to that point where he's like, our skills will not be tested by our knowledge of the Force, but rather our skills with a lightsaber, the whole audience starts cracking up. And as soon as Yoda pulls out the lightsaber, there was a huge ovation because it's the opening night crowd seeing the movie. (laughs) Oh, it was great. Yoda does the flippies. Dooku escapes. And... Oh, he cut off the uh, hand, right? Yeah. Cuts off Anakin's hand, and he escapes with the Death Star super weapon plans. But 
now the Clone Wars have begun because these clone troopers are gonna gonna mess you up. And the f- movie ends with Anakin secretly marrying Padme because they confess their love for each other right before they think they're gonna die. With his with his new fake hand. Yes. Um, so a couple of quick little trivia facts here. When Anakin's slaughtering the Tusken Raiders, you hear Qui-Gon's voice, and that's not an accident because Qui-Gon's Force Ghost had appeared to try to stop Anakin's rage, but uh, he didn't exactly succeed. Um, Hayden Christensen's favorite scene is the bar scene. Why? Because it was the only real set that he got to experience, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, yeah, we talked about the Dooku stuff. Um, Jango Fett bangs his head before he gets into the ship. That was intentional because they are paying homage to the stormtrooper hitting its head in a new hope. Also, if you notice, Amidala never misses. Well, almost never misses. And that's a reference to her daughter, Leia, who also almost never misses. Um, originally, there wasn't going to be... There was going to be a quick Yoda Dooku battle, but they're like, no, we need to have something build up here to make it more impactful. Yeah, we need people to come harder. <laughs> Jeez. Um, hey, you know that whole thing where Supreme Chancellor gets emergency powers over sweeping votes? Hey, that's the same ploy Hitler used in the mid 1930s. So, in case you needed to know, this dude was a big villain. Yes. And because of all the animosity towards Jar Jar, the working title for episode two was Jar Jar's Big Adventure. Of course. (laughs) So let's talk about episode three, Revenge of the Sith, which is my favorite of the prequels. And I'm pretty sure you would say the same thing. It's my third favorite of all the Star Wars movies. Yes. Which original movie do you like less than this one? Jedi? Jedi. Jedi. Okay. That's what I figured. <laughs> this movie starts off with a big ass space battle because yeah. General Grievous kidnapped the Chancellor, swept right in and took him, and he's being held hostage in front of Dooku. Although he's kind of got a what looks like a throne when they actually get him. Uh, we got some good humor in this first part here, like when poor little when when poor little droid that belonged to Obi Wan just gets his head ripped off. I'm just like, oh, that was sad. Or when the when they're on the ship and R2 lights the droids on fire by spilling oil and then using his rocket boosters. But uh, after the space battle, Obi-Wan and Anakin get onto the ship. <clears throat> they go to rescue the Emperor. They have their final lightsaber battle with Dooku. And Anakin coldly decapitates him. And you see the Emperor... Where Palpatine My powers have doubled since the last time we fought. Yes, but I like how Palpatine, and he's like, good Anakin, now kill him. And you see Dooku like, what, what? <laughs> like that look on his face. Master. Master, what the hell? Kill him. And he goes from, he changes his voice. Yep. Kill him. So he does. <clears throat> they rescue Palpatine. They manage to land the ship, even though it's only half a ship at that point. And we meet General Grievous for the first time, a character I cannot stand because he's like this weird droid creature thing that. But he has, has a, a heart and lungs. He has heart and lungs, and he's got, and he's got freaking emphysema because <laughs> he just coughs the whole time. I know he's like explained better in the the Clone Wars TV show, which I haven't seen all of. 
But in this movie, it's just kind of like, uh, like he's one of those villains where, like, when he gets on the escape pod, he goes, time to abandon ship. He, like, puts his fingers together. Like, he, if only he had a mustache to twirl at the same time or, like, a monocle to adjust because that's pretty much what he is. He's like the he, he really is like the, the 1950s film villain. <laughs> he's Billy Robinson's nemesis. Take that, oh. say. Yeah, take that. Take that, say. He's Snidely Whiplash. They should have just called him General Capone. Because he reminds me of like an old timey gangster. So it's kind of hard to uh, care about a villain that's in one movie of a of a six movie series. Yeah, I mean, I I like I don't I like Maul better than him, even though Maul doesn't do that much in the long scheme of things. But Grievous is just he's annoying. Well, like like he's the last domino to fall, right? Right. That's the whole thing, right? Right, and they wait for him to be destroyed before anything else goes down. So, Anakin reunites with Padme, and we reveal something pretty big. Like the freaking first thing. Oh, I'm pregnant. Oh, oh by okay. the way, I'm pregnant. And he's like, um, well, that's forbidden by the Jedi Order, so... But then again, everything else we've been doing for the last five years... <laughs> yes, it's been forbidden, yeah. But and now. And now he's having some premonitions about Padme dying in childbirth. And she's like, oh, that's not going to happen. He's like, yeah, but I had these visions about my mother and those came true. So now we're noticing more stuff happening with Anakin. The council is going to put him is going to put him on as a representative for Palpatine. But we're not going to make him a master. And now he's his faith is shaken. So Palpatine's like, oh, I got this. Uh, I know a story I can tell you that'll really shake up your faith. And this is my favorite scene in all the prequels, the space opera, because it has the uh, the mythos of Star Wars in it, because he tells him this, this Sith legend that may or may not have happened about Darth Plagueis the Wise, who was so powerful he could influence the midichlorians to create life. And he gives Anakin that look like, yeah, you, you heard that story before? Think about it. And he could prevent people he loved from dying. So Anakin's like, oh man, that's a power I'd love to learn. But what happened to this guy? He goes, well, he taught his apprentice everything he knew, and then he killed him in his sleep. That and was he, me. And me. I'm the one that killed him. Yes. And it's it, it's strongly hinted at, but it's the only, it's, it's not confirmed until the actual like Darth Plagueis novel was released. But yes. He could save anyone he wanted from death except for himself. Except for himself. And he's like, well, can I learn this power? Not from a Jedi. Uh-oh. Dun-dun-dun. Seeds being planted. It's, so, what happens here is that we're going we're gonna to pursue Grievous to the planet Upata. <clears throat> the Jedi are going to get... Um, Yoda's going to go to the Wookiee planet, so that one doesn't fall. Other Jedi are kind of leading these clone battalions throughout. They're all generals in the Clone War. Pretty much, yeah. And Anakin, who's trying to uh, trying to save Padme, is kind of losing his sanity at this point because his faith has been shaken. So I mean, I'm on the council, but I'm not a master. And, and they he's, want me to to uh, to, spy to spy on the guy, and he wants me to spy on them. And yeah, but then when he actually finds out the truth about Palpatine, he does do the right thing. He he does. Now. I got to talk about the scene, which I call the calm before the storm. This is where uh, 
after Grievous is destroyed in a relatively ridiculous fight scene that's only made better because Obi-Wan treats it so lightheartedly, like, oh, hey, <laughs> when he drops down, hey, dude, what's going on? And, uh... Yeah, but then he, like, then he's <laughs> like, I've been trained in lightsaber. I'm like, not really, you're a robot, so you can just yeah. do a windmill thing. <laughs> I have four lightsabers. Not that good with them, though. Oh, and my heart and lungs are exposed, so if you kind of shoot me there a few times, I'll just explode. And that's exactly what happened. <laughs> and then he says, he says that freaking... Guns are uncivilized. It's, and then, uh, <laughs> command- like, wait a second. Swords were like the second freaking weapon ever yeah. created. <laughs> well, he loses his lightsaber, but Commander Cody Rhodes picks it up. Commander Cody Rhodes. <laughs> Cody Rhodes, Stardust. And then he hisses at him. But, uh, I gotta talk about the, one of my favorite scenes in the prequels, which I call the calm before the storm. It's when Anakin is ordered back to the Jedi Temple to wait orders while Mace Windu goes to arrest Palpatine and it's it's a perfect scene and this is another thing that Doug Walker talked about it's just Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman looking out into space and reacting with just their facial expressions and it's so much better than anything that's written for either of them you are beautiful because I love you yes but now Anakin is He's like, no, 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 I gotta stop. They're gonna kill him. I gotta stop him, because I need him to save Padme. And he goes with three Jedi to arrest Palpatine, but Palpatine uses just uses a stabbing technique. He kills two of them right away. Kit Fisk no, is the one that... No, no. Yeah, that is... Those scenes are just ridiculous. And then him... He forces... Mace Windu forces the Force Lightning back at him, scarring him. And when Anakin realizes he's going to die, he cuts off Samuel L. Jackson's arm. And then Palpatine blows him out. Oh, is it Palpatine lies the entire time? I can't hold it much longer. He's going to kill me. Save me, please. He just outright lies to him. And then Anakin has to know immediately because he stops. he, He hits Mace Windu. And then he immediately, like, stands up and shows him out the window. Yeah. Like, oh, you just lied to me. Well, oh, but well. He's so, but he's so clouded with the whole uh, with the whole saving Padme thing that he just decides he's going to pledge himself. <coughs> and when he does, I and love how they've got... Ba- bad acting again, right? Because he has to do this. It's yeah. a thing that has to happen. In, see, again, another thing that has to happen in the movie comes across pretty shittily. Yes. <laughs> yes, but, uh, I will do whatever you say, master. Good. Well, now you're going to be known as Darth Vader. Now go kill a bunch of kids. Okay. Yeah. Take take the 501st Legion with you and go kill all the kids. Uh, the Order 66 scene is actually pretty powerful, though, <coughs> because it explains why how all the clones just turn, and you just they have like that hopeless music playing. Again, and you just watch right? Jedi versus seeds planted, probably like. 13, 14 years ago now? Yeah, because they've got a pre-existing code to just kill the Jedi. And that's exactly what they do. The the one who survives, though, is Yoda, who chops off their heads right before they... Yeah, and then he has Wookiee back up with him. Yeah. Well, well, you can tell he's, like, telling the Wookiees what's about to happen. He's like, they're about to turn on me, so just be ready for this. And then, sure enough, he cuts their heads off, and they just look at each other. They're like, well, that happened. <laughs> so they get him off the planet. Quickly. Okay, now here's a question. Does Cody miss on purpose? Oh, like the stormtroopers? Right, because Cody is the one that shoots 
Obi Wan. Well, he well he gives the command. He doesn't actually do the shooting. But uh, <clears throat> I think because, they, because of all no, because remember they were like all nobody because remember he's arguing that nobody could have survived that fall, and they're just like, uh, no, if you don't see his body, then he's not dead. So yeah, no, he's he doesn't actually miss on purpose. I think. I mean, he actually hits him pretty closely. Well, think about how the other Jedi get killed. Almost all of them are shot point-blank range, so. Except they shoot down the, they shoot down Plo Koon's starship. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, they shoot down the one on the speeder bike. I don't remember that Jedi's name. But they do a pretty decent job of it. And poor Kit Fisto. Poor Kit Fisto. Yeah, he gets cut down by Palpatine. And then uh, Palpatine, after this happens, he goes to the Senate and he's like, hey, they tried to turn on me and they tried to kill me. So, so fuck now now we're going to kill them. And the only way to keep the galaxy stable now is to turn it into an empire. So I'm always ruling. And they just cheer. And then Padme says. Padme's horrified. Well, this is how Liberty dies. With thunderous applause. Now, meanwhile, Anakin goes and kills the younglings, which is a, which is another really good, powerful scene. The little kid comes out and he's like, Master Skywalker, what are we going to do? And he just lights his lightsaber. I remember people in the theater gasping over that. Like, you they, remember he killed all, not just the men, but the women and the children? Yeah, he's kind of done this. Yeah, before. but they were all Tusken Raiders and they were evil. And then uh, when, when Bail Organa is retreating... <laughs> George Lucas's son comes to the rescue, but he gets killed too. And then he's like, "Fuck off! I'm out of here." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he rescues Yoda. They rescue Obi Wan after he sends out his distress signal, and they can't contact any other Jedi. But they got, dead. but they got the code that says, "Hey, everybody, come back to the temple." They're like, "Uh, no, they're going to walk into a trap." So. While everybody's distracted at Congress, Obi-Wan and Yoda sneak in and just start destroying clone troopers and recalibrate the code. And then Obi-Wan learns the truth. Who could have killed all these younglings? Well, don't look in the security cameras or you're going to be really disappointed. And Yoda feels every death. Yeah. But that's always kind of been how Yoda was. Obi-Wan doesn't really get that in tune until it's too late. Until he's on the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> but uh, uh, I also like the scene where uh, Anakin's sent to wipe out the Separatists to finally tie up all the loose ends. All right, well, now that this war is over, I'm going to get rid of everybody on the other side of it. Because they think right. we won. Because he just needed them to set up the emergency powers and then to become the Empire. Yeah. So fuck them. They've done yeah. their job. So Anakin walks in, and he just shuts the doors and just slices down everybody. Oh, like, Lord Vader, you're here. <laughs> oh, we've been expecting you. Yeah, well. And he just slices down Newt Gunray last. He's like, but the war's over. We were promised peace. He just cuts him. We do have peace. So then, um. There are multiple ways to get to peace. <laughs> yeah, there there are. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, um. Padme's going to go get to Anakin before all this crap happens, and Obi-Wan stores aboard. Because <clears throat> <laughs> he, he, like, questions her about it. You know where he is. What's he doing? 
Ah, the, <coughs> the kid is his, isn't it? Yeah, and he then, knows everything. And he's freaking stows on. He he stows away on her ship. Yep. <clears throat> but Obi Wan doesn't want to go kill Anakin. He wants to kill the Emperor. But Yoda's like, no, you're not strong enough. Which is funny because if they had done it the other way, Obi Wan might have died. But I'm pretty sure Yoda would have finished off Anakin. But they do what they can. This comes the two big fight scenes. On one end, you got Yoda taking on the Emperor, where he literally throws the Senate at him. And Obi-Wan takes on Anakin. And you got the super cool fight scenes, which is like the crappy ending, because after he chops off Anakin's legs and lets him burn to death, he doesn't get perform a mercy kill. He just lets it happen. You were the chosen one! <laughs> I loved you! And you're just like, oh... Here come he was the massive supposed wheels. to defeat the Sith, not join them. Yes, but he brought balance to the fight. I hate you. Rah, bad dialogue. Oh, I'm on fire. <laughs> oh, at first he like HR shoving stuff with his wife. Oh my god, get away, bitch! That scene's ridiculous too. But then he is well. He's rescued by the Emperor, and he's rebuilt with. A lot of mechanics as Darth Vader in, a, in an homage to the Frankenstein cl- classic. But when he's telling him that uh, when he's lying to him about how he killed Padme, you just see him grinning. And then the fact that she dies during childbirth, there's a there's a really good fan theory about how, yes, but he's so he's able to influence it so strongly that he basically just. He he's the one that killed her. The whole reason why her will was gone was because he was doing it. And when you think about it, it makes sense. That was all part of the big plan. She so, said there's nothing wrong with her, but she's lost her will to live. Right. She names them Luke and Leia. She names them Luke and Leia, and then she dies. They have a nice funeral for her. Vader and the Emperor watch as the Death Star is built. The, the droids are turned over to Captain Antilles, who wipes the protocol droid's mind. Oh, I also love the, uh, my wife and I will take the child. We've always wanted to adopt a little girl. It's like, oh, okay, well, what about the other one? We'll send uh, him to his family, and by his family, I mean his in-law, uh, half-brother-in-law? Bro- half I don't know. Well, listen, that's the whole reason that, uh, he's never able to find him in the movie, because I remember people were like, well... That's such a stupid way to do it. He's going to know who they were. He could find them. Like, yeah, but he didn't know they, she had twins. Nobody knew that. He only thought there was one kid. He didn't even know if the kid survived either. Right, because he thought Padme was killed. So there was no way to know. Because in the in the uh, retroactive Empire Strikes Back where they put the Emperor and there's a little bit of new dialogue, he's like, it's the son of Anakin Skywalker. And he says, how is that possible? And he figures it out. <clears throat> He does. And the movie ends with a new hope as Luke and Leia are delivered to their families. We're going to see what happens next. Which, of course, we're going to cover next week. Next week. With the originals. The Ridge Tridge. The Ridge Tridge. Uh, we were originally going to get a young Han Solo in this movie. He was going to be living with the Wookiees on Kashyyyk, but they decided to cut that. Which I'm glad they did, because now we're getting the anthology. Because we're actually getting a young Han Solo film coming up, so. 
the original cut of the film was four hours. In fact, the opening battle ran over an hour. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it took two months of fencing and tr- fitness training for Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen to pull off their fight scene. There was a lot of stuff in that fight because they end up on the on the little scooter thingies and they go through the, the lava pits and stuff. From my point of view, the Jedi are evil. Yeah, well, you know what though, but <clears throat> who's the one who says good and evil are just a point of view? Isn't that Palpatine's line? It's it. Uh, you know who always says that? The most evil person in the story. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Mustafar was designed to be George Lucas's vision of hell. And they used real volcano footage from Mount Etna in Italy because it just happened to be erupting at the time of the shooting. And Hayden Christensen does wear the Darth Vader suit because he's a fan and he wanted to. There are no clone troopers in the movie. They're all CGI. And there's only 10 costumed Wookiees in the movie. The rest of them were duplicated through CGI. I guess that's why only Cody is is um is in the credits, right? As that guy. Yeah, because there's no other guys. CGI. Yes. Uh, really, really good stuff as far as Star Wars is concerned. And I know that there's always going to be that whole prequels <laughs> suck, bro. Oh, I also like how C-3PO has the last line in the movie and the first line in A New Hope. His last slide is, oh, no, when he finds out his mind's going to get wiped, because there's no dialogue after that. No, it's like ten minutes of showing stuff after that. Yeah. Well, the last scene where uh, Owen's looking out on the sunset is the homage to Luke doing the same thing on Tatooine. The iconic scene. So, yeah. Uh, the Star Wars prequels, they're still pretty cool. They're definitely worth checking out. Yes, they're not as good overall, but they're still pretty good, and they should not be overlooked. Yes, there are they are flawed, but you can still have a good time watching them, and that's the entire point. It's more Star content. Wars. It's more Star Wars, exactly. Now, next week we're going to do the originals, but I'm going to offer, rich. and when we're going to find out, will the Force Awakens be worthy? A lot of people seem to think it will be. Now, some people, like Anthony George Daniels... Lucas says it's A-OK. Yes. Anthony Daniels actually says it's going to be better than the originals, so we'll see about that. But the people I really trust, like Kevin Smith, he uh, cried when he found out what was going on in the movie because he was so happy. So that's the opinion that I'm really focused on here. Cried like a little bitch. Yeah, pretty much. All right, then. That's going to do it for us this week. Join us next week for the original Star Wars movies. And then we'll return to Christmas hype with the Christmas story. That's right. And then It's a Wonderful Life. That'll be the end of the year. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. One year down. One year down. And remember, guys, we still got some open weeks in January for requests. So if you got one, let us know. Do it up. We will see you next week. Bye. Yep. See yous.